WCBN FM Ann Arbor closets are for clothes. Um, and, you know, we miss Dan, but Dan is off. I feel like we should be playing, like, Where in the World is Dan Burns? Because he is not here in the studio with me, but instead we have the dulcet tones of, of a good friend of the show um, from MeFirst.com, Matt DeWitt. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi, Gabe. How are you? Glad you could join us. I'm glad this is your first radio experience, right? Yes, it is. It's a first time, folks, so please do be gentle. <laughs> um, so we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking uh, um, um, with GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, and we'll also be talking with the Palm Center about Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, but first, I want to talk about Matt. You know, Matt, first of all, I just want everyone to know, and I want to thank you in front of everyone, all two of our listeners, <laughs> that um, you you hauled butt from Batoski. Yes. <laughs> and that's amazing to me, because I have get done that drive and i hate driving so welcome and thank you for coming absolutely so what are you doing in petoskey in petoskey (laughs) i i meet with my two business associates Uh uh, and one of them happens to be my wonderful cousin Uh uh, patrick schaller Uh, so i when i'm not networking and uh, meeting and greeting the wonderful lgbt and lgbt friendly community here in southeastern michigan i'm North of uh, the 45th parallel and nice. God's country up in Petoskey, Michigan. <laughs> and it is God's country, right? And, and we're not talking about the, you know, you, you, and we'll talk about that. I, you know, I'm interested to know about this whole gay Petoskey thing, right? So, but you are VP for business operations for MeFirst.com, right? So Correct. what what is MeFirst? Am I saying MeFirst, right? Is it MeFirst. Okay. Yes. Uh, M-E-E-F-E-R-S. Uh-huh. Uh, and what we do uh, and have been doing since uh, May 1st, since we first launched mm-hmm. uh, the website, is connecting gay-friendly communities. And we do that uh, through a whole gamut of uh, mediums. Uh, a gamut, if you will. A gamut. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm going to use that, actually. I'm running that now. Uh, one, of it is con- uh, one of the mediums is content. So we review uh, gay culture, uh, do feature stories. Um, we also uh, have a store up on our website and a, uh, a job postings page. Uh, and then we, so that's, so that's the content, e-commerce, uh, social networking, job postings, music, and film. And just to give you an example, if you log on to our website, mefirst.com, you'll find our uh, Lansing Pride video, and you'll see a w- wonderful feature story by our a new freelance writer of ours, Johnny Lynn. Oh, yeah, Johnny with, Lynn, a good friend of the show, right? You of M friend, right? Hi, Johnny, if you're listening. <laughs> Uh, and you'll find our YouTube video um, up on there. And we took footage, still shots, film footage, um, and then overlaid it with uh, music from uh, Daisy May. So right there we've, in essence, uh, <clears throat> connected uh, the gay-friendly community with, with the content, the review, music, and the film. Oh, that's great. And we're going to hear some Daisy May later, right? Yes. That's amazing. So so Johnny Lynn is, is local to Ann Arbor. So... So you're not getting like reviews from like photos and other travel sites or, or what's the deal? We are 100% locally focused. Um, we love to uh, get the opinions uh, of gay culture and gay friendly culture from uh, local people. And I think that's the best way to uh, inform people about uh, the gay and gay friendly culture here in uh, southeast of Michigan is from uh, gay and gay friendly people such as uh, Johnny Lynn and um, another one of our writers, Heather McMacken, who writes a great Health Matters column. Um, And slowly but steady, we'll be getting into writing columns about tourism, um, uh, business, and... um, whole gamut of other you know i think that's great because i don't think that many people think you know gay culture and michigan go together right but are you finding that there actually is a really vibrant you know i think there is certainly but are you finding that there's a vibrant sort of um outlet and people a spectrum of people wanting to talk about gay culture in michigan well, as as we all know, Ferndale is the is, is the game. Fabulous Ferndale, Fabulous right? Ferndale. Right. Um, Royal Oak is obviously is, is extremely extremely gay friendly. Um, you know, slowly um, but steadily. Um, obviously, Ann Arbor is an is a cultural and a gay mecca of southeastern Michigan, uh, and and there is a large community. And um, some say it's slightly um, uh, fragmented uh, in nature. Really, it's uh, it's I guess it's just because of the size of. The, um, Detroit, uh, mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. MSA of Detroit. So, 
one one way that Mifers helps out is by, in essence, databasing uh, where all of the venues are, uh, where all of the gay friendly. Um, you know, hair salons, uh, retail mm. stores. So in, instead of having to go out and find it uh, on, a, on a hard copy in, in a newspaper, all you have to do is log on to www.mifers.com and uh, we, we will inform uh, everybody, and especially people outside of the state of Michigan, because at the end of the day, uh, I'm a Michigander, born and raised, uh, born here, uh, raised here half my life, love the state of Michigan, and uh, we're actually going to be expanding to uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, and uh, Seattle here shortly. So wow. hopefully bring people from those markets over to Michigan and promote Michigan. Uh, Michigan has a great, it's a great state, it's a great outdoor state. So bring people from um, different different states here um, and enjoy the state and promote Michigan because... That's brilliant. So, so do you think that's really what makes it different from like gay dot com and and planetout.com? Like, what's like, what's the, what's the niche? Well, first and foremost, we we pride ourselves on quality. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. We're, we're we're positive. Mm-hmm. Um, we primarily discuss positive news. We find. Um, we find it necessary for um, negative news to be um, uh, communicated. That's we're just not using um, our website as that channel. Mm. Um, we find it a little actually. It's actually a little harder uh, to talk about positive news. Sure, because all the time you you hear lots of stories about gay mm-hmm. bashings and mm-hmm. and gays can't do this or policies about gays not being able to do this. Absolutely. So we challenge ourselves and our freelance writers to. Um, Negative news can new, negative news um, must be discussed, but solutions and options. Oh, that's great. Have so, to be part of that. So I'm was a little thrown off by the name. Mm-hmm. What what's a mefer? Mefers <clears throat> mefers um, uh, means connecting gay friendly communities. Um, it, it it doesn't. It's not an it's not a, an acronym. Um, you know what does you know Xerox and uh, mm. Kodak Kodak stand for? Or, um, so we, um, in essence, uh, uh, are risking a lot um, by um, going against the curve and uh, coming up with a name that uh, um, really, truly doesn't really mean anything. It, it, what it really means is what we do. What we do is connect gay-friendly uh, communities, and what we want people to do is um, to um, become informed about our name and know about us through what we do and the quality of our work. That's brilliant. I thought it was like for me, like for me, but me first, me first, or me second, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's mefirst.com, right? So, Correct. so if you go to mefirst.com, there's like Detroit section and an Arbor section, and then there's going to be a Chicago, Seattle, and Minneapolis section too. It very, sounds like you're going to do like a lot of traveling. Well, I've been traveling my entire life. Um, <laughs> I've lived in Argentina for two years, Morocco, Africa for four years, Spain for two years. Wow. So I've been integrating and assimilating into cultures uh, my entire life. So connecting communities uh, kind of comes naturally for me. Excellent. And so in your work thus far with the content that you've been gathering for me for Detroit and Ann Arbor, what's, what are the topics? What are people talking about? We, uh, lately, it's been Pride. Ah. Um, I attended uh, Motor City Pride, which was which was amazing in Ferndale. Um, went to Grand Rapids uh, the following weekend, um, and then um, last last week, two weekends ago, I was in Lansing. Um, so June has been primarily focused with uh, Pride, and then also the festivals. The festivals have, you know, obviously officially begun here in the state. We're done hibernating. We're no, we're no longer inside anymore. <laughs> That's right. The we're, sun is out, and so are we, right? We're out and about. <laughs> so uh, Festival of the Arts, um, um, uh, the Summer Festival in Ann Arbor, which, uh, which just capped off last Sunday, uh-huh, uh, the uh-huh. 6th of July. Um, and, and the art fair is coming up in Ann Arbor. Art fair is coming up next week. And and there's Bliss Fest too, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, Bliss Fest is a uh, concert, a three-day uh, outdoor uh, music concert in uh, Bliss, Michigan. Um, Bliss, Michigan. I've not been. It sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, it's about uh, half an hour north of Petoskey, and um, it's it's a it's a big folk music um, uh, Woodstock in essence. Uh, so hopefully uh, I'll, I'll be out there this weekend, and I encourage uh, anybody that uh, loves to be in the car for more than four and a half hours to, <laughs> to, to, to drive up to Petosk, to drive up to Bliss, uh, Bliss, Michigan. Um, but uh, back to what you're saying, other 
um, uh, topics um, that we've been um, uh, discussing at in, at Mefers. Um, um, LGBT um, successful business people um, and successful entrepreneurs are really what we're um, going to be going to be discussing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we just really <clears throat> are, are firm believers that uh, um, you know one of one medium, uh, one way to um, um, I hate to use the word ma- mainstream uh, gay and gay friendly culture is to uh, showcase. Um, successful um, LGBT and LGBT-friendly business persons and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and we can do that through our venue space uh, at mattmefers.com. That's brilliant. There are, there are plenty of people here. Uh, Charles Pugh, um, Gabriel Javier. <laughs> <laughs> A multitude, right? Um, so, so eventually there's going to be... Um, uh, there's gonna there's gonna be peer to peer like uh, social networking on there too. We will have our social network, uh, which will be similar to MySpace and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that should be coming out uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, before the end of the summer. So, uh, WCBN will be able to create their profile. Absolutely. Our listeners will be able to create their uh, profile. Businesses will be able to create their profile, and um, and that's just one more way we'll be connecting uh, gay friendly communities. That's excellent, excellent. So we're going to talk um, with Matt um, uh, from MeFrizz.com and talk about MeFrizz.com throughout the show. He's he's agreed to stick around and be our uh, to help me out today because um, we missed you, Dan, and we hope you're feeling better. Um, but we're going to take a um, quick musical break, and when we come back, we're going to talk um, with the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, and you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, Closets Are For Close.
And welcome back. And that was, um, you know, Matt and I were just talking about that song and how popular it is right now. Not that last one. That was Time Bomb by uh, Beck. This new one. But uh, Katy Perry's new song, right? I Kissed a Girl. I kissed a Girl. I and, you know, song. I heard um, a, a quick uh, NPR story yesterday about um, that song. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that NPR is talking about I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry mm-hmm. and like the prevalence of bisexuality for girls and if it's a fad it's very interesting so I think it's a really good you know sort of tie in talking about media and um, and how LGBT people are being portrayed more and more mm-hmm. um, so I asked uh, Damon Romine to, um, to join us and, and Damon is the entertainment media director for GLAAD which is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation and he joins us on the phone from LA Damon are you there? He's there-ish. Hi, Damon. Oh, the joy of live radio. <laughs> so, so there's been a lot of incidences, and there continues to be a lot of incidences, right, of uh, of of gay slurs in the media. Absolutely. Um, so I think that it's great that there's more um, acceptance and more. Um, like visibility right like um but you know the other day brokeback mountain was on i was watching it it was like on tbs or something it was on it was on tv you know bravo maybe and they cut a lot or not a lot but they cut some some scenes um so there is the part where the that you know the tent scene the famous tent scene the tent scene i like the tent scene <laughs> the tent scene was absent it was not there um and then there's the scene where um where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? I mean, it's already hard because Heath Ledger, right? And you know, mm-hmm. you know, he's has passed, and um, and there's the scene where Jake Gyllenhaal goes to visit him, and they kiss, and 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 it's very sad, and like, and that was cut, and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are they cutting all these things? It's really odd. It's it's frustrating to have the scenes um, that really uh, make the movie edited. Right, right, all that stuff, you know, and. I'm wondering, like, does that same stuff, is that cut out of straight movies? In uh, No, it's not. You know, and the other one that really struck me is, you know the movie Hancock? Haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Right, it's that Will Smith movie where he mm-hmm. plays... Um, a superhero that has like I don't know he's doesn't want to be a superhero or whatever and and there's a scene in there where he's like picking out costumes and he um, he sees uh, these different comic book superheroes and he says homo homo and red Norwegian homo it's like okay is that really necessary not at all. I was very, very disappointed in Will Smith. I've, I've, I've loved Will Smith ever since he was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and he, he's, he's not so fresh anymore. Right. It was sort of, it was sort of uh, surprising that he would, he would kind of use that language, and it'd be so, um, such a huge smack mainstream. Um, so it's really interesting that I guess I don't know if we have to take the good with the bad, or, or what it is. But um, you know, the other last week we talked, or two weeks ago we talked with um, our friends from Care, which is the Coalition for Adoption Rights quality in Michigan and then we talked about 30 Days um, a show on FX uh, Morgan Spurlock show on FX um, and there was a really an anti-gay woman who lived with a local couple to, uh, and their family so two men and, and their, their boys and there was um, a comment made um, about gays and lesbians um, and and their sexual habits and how dangerous it is for children to be in that environment. And FX didn't, and or nor the show, made moves to, to correct that, which I thought was really disappointing. But glad the the gay and lesbian F- uh, alliance against defamation they did they they released a statement so um, so that w- that was good I, I I don't know are you finding are you seeing instances in media of, of things really being sort of wishy washy no I mean back in back in May when um, Jay Leno was um, doing That's an interview right. um, with a uh, star on one of the daytime soap operas and uh, asked the his, the gayest look right asked to give his, Who was that? his gayest look. I, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, though. Ryan Felipe. Ryan Felipe, right? And, and we've been. <laughs> hey guys, this is Damon Romine. I'm glad I uh, I'm just now clicking in. Damon, good Hi, Damon. good to have you. Um, this Thank is Gabe you for having and, me and on. Matt's here with us, and we're just talking about you know we talked about Hancock, the Will Smith movie, right? And we talked about um, Ryan Felipe, right? And so so what was the response to that gayest look comment? Where did that come from? Like, 
Um, what, what, where did it come from as far as when Jay said it, or what was the yeah, response was, of, the, of the public? What was the response from the public? Did Glad say anything, or what did... Um, yeah, no, Glad, Glad definitely got involved with that, and it, uh, it also... Um, you know, we take, we don't act in a in a bubble on anything. It's not me just seeing something on TV and you know, waking up in the morning and deciding that I'm you know going to speak on behalf of the millions of gay people in the in the world. We really do react to uh, people coming to us with you know with an issue or with a problem. And in that case, uh, you know, that that aired on a you know a Wednesday or Thursday night, and the next day then. You know, we received uh, phone calls and emails, and there were a lot of uh, uh, bloggers who talked about it. In fact, there's an entire site uh, now, I think, devoted to mygayestlook.com or something to that effect, which was set up by, you know, by, by people, by activists who, um, you know, who were upset and offended by it and felt that he, that he was um, inappropriate in his comments. And, uh, you know, and when GLAD did get involved, and because of our relationship with Studios and television executives. I mean, he responded to that and uh, you know issued an apology. And and the way Jay works is that he actually picks up the phone and calls as well. So he uh, had a conversation with both myself and with Glad's president Neil Giuliano to to discuss humor and discuss his use of humor. And and it really seemed like it was a case of you know like foot and mouth, and that it was not something that he really intended on coming out the way that it in that particular case came out. So he, he apologized for that and certainly, you know, is, is more conscious now and aware every, anytime something like this comes up, it really just makes the, uh, the person more, more aware of doing it, of not doing it again. So, so is, do you think that's the exception or the rule where Gladden has these open lines of communications? Is, was that with the studio or with Jay himself or, or his, his agent or how did that work? Um, in, I'm, in, in this particular case, in this particular with, with case. Jay, uh-huh. uh, you know, I went. We went through the studio first, and uh, then they, you know, they bump it up through, you know, bump it up to the channels. But out of this, in this particular case, Jay gave us his his direct line. So should there be, you know, an instant an issue an issue in the future, then you know we can call him directly. Now, of course, that's always going to be after the fact, which uh, right. I, you know, the nature of anything, whether it be a live radio show like this or <laughs> with a, a television show that's done daily and, and taped live it uh, you know people are going to say things and uh, often speak out of turn or you know stick their foot in their mouth and i think that that happens more so on shows where it's sort of fly by the seat of your pants and things things sometimes happen and and depending on who who the person is they they may react to the audience afterwards with an apology so how do you react to people who because you know i brought this up with some of my friends as well like the gayest look thing like that's that's like why would jay leno say that and some of them are like are you being a little sensitive like how do we how do we counter that argument are we being too sensitive or 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 too politically correct well we i do hear that and we we get that and and what's interesting is that uh the community is so large and so diverse and at this point so multi-generational that there's never going to be any consensus uh, across the board uh, probably on any decision that's ever made or any call to action or any reaction to anything so you know there was there was certainly plenty of people again we take our lead from members of the community so there were certainly plenty of people who were upset about the gayest look and then once you know, Glad gets involved and and publicly speaks out about something, then you know that that raises a profile of something where then you get a whole another group of people who come forward and you know like that. Why can't you just let it slide? Why are you making a bigger deal out of it? Sure. Are we being oversensitive? Uh-huh. So, you know, there there is going to be people who fall on both sides of the fence, and if you just sit back and do nothing as a community, then it gives permission for things to things like this to continue because. Obviously, if you don't say things, um, if you don't stand up and say things when when you are defamed, whether it's on purpose or not, um, whether you don't provide some sort of clarity to the situation and, and go on the record that, you know, you know, we're not that upset about this. However, it's not something you should do as, as, a, a, as practice. And so... Um, 
you know, we have to we have to speak up. And I know there's going to be people who say that you know, aren't you being a little sensitive, but too many of these things could add up to uh, to a much bigger problem. Right. It's like a snowball, right? Right. And so, at what point do you then draw the line? Because you know, if you just let the snowball gather moth, <laughs> just right. let the snowball <laughs> gather snow, then it, uh, you know, at what point then do you draw the line? And, and then, you know, the perpetrator, you know, says, well, you never said anything about this before. Right, right. So, so, there, so again, you know, there's going to be very many, many, very many different opinions, and you have to, as an organization, as advocates, as activists, you have to figure out uh how to ride that the fence and and um, in a good way and figure out like what what is worth calling attention to and what is what is done in a spirit of uh, inclusivity like you sort of look at things that happen on will and grace which you know was was done you know by gay people for gay people through gay people and it, and and a joke on will and grace is not the same doesn't have the same context as a joke delivered by a, a Jay Leno, for example. Right, right. Now, Damon, is there a certain time protocol that you have with incidences like the one that happened uh, between Ryan Philippe and uh, Jay Leno, for example? Is it 24 hours after the incident? Um, um, no, I mean, we try to we try to react when things are brought to our attention. I mean, the, the interesting thing is is that we're in a different, you know, GLAD is nearly 25 years old now, and, and when, when GLAD as an organization started, it was before there was an Internet and before people were blogging. I mean, the communication is just a completely different, uh, different animal now than it, than it was uh, before, and so things move, move much quicker. There is a different kind of news cycle now. Uh, someone can see something on television or hear something on the news and immediately blog about it, and and it becomes more public knowledge and and more of a uh, uh, you, you're just just brought to more attention uh, through someone's through someone's internet blog than uh, than than before, and so oftentimes we're hearing about things. You know, after the fact, or we're or, or we're reading about things that you know people's comments on blogs that are saying, uh, "Why? Where is Glad? Why isn't Glad doing something about this?" But the reality is, is that um, is is as big as we are, or as small as we are. You know, we're uh, you know we're not able to watch all 120 channels on television. All the, you don't you know, have 20. someone watching every single show and every single exactly. channel. Exactly. <laughs> I would be well. I I, phys- I physically would not be able to do so. But we we you know, we rely on people. We rely Rely on on you and your listeners and and people in your area to email or call us to um, you know to let us know that something happened because otherwise we're reading about it uh, just like everyone else is and so that that's probably one of the more frustrating things uh, as far as challenges go is that you know we're we're seeing things on blogs uh, you know accusing us perhaps of not being timely when the reality is is that someone's not taken that step of bringing to our attention sure sure you can't you only have so many eyes right so so what about so what about you know what i'll call like sins of omission so so brokeback recently aired on on cable television right and there were these scenes that were cut out right what is what is that what what kind of statement does that make about gay people and gay lives and the gay experience if we're we if if people feel like they can cut and paste particular parts um you know what i i i Again, sort of going back to the point I was just making, I wasn't aware there was an issue until the issue itself had been resolved by Bravo and make, by Bravo making the statement that that they were apologizing for the edit or and either weren't aware of the edit or weren't conscious that that was something that was integral to the story. So uh. I can't speak on their behalf. I just, at this point, have to take at face value that they realized that a mistake was made and have now corrected it for future airings. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't really have a... I don't have, really have a, a response sure, yeah. to to what, what does that mean for the greater scheme of things. I at this point, until I hear otherwise, would like to just believe that it is you know, that it was an accident on the part of the of the of the person who was cutting it for television. Right, right. I see that. I see that. Uh, no, so I'm not. Well, I think you know everyone really wants to. Uh, to have conspiracy theories for <laughs> everything uh, until we, you know, until we see that paper trail of, of like, yes, we've got to cut out that tent scene. I will just 
go on face value that um, you know a problem was brought to their attention and they reacted uh, quickly, which has, has been the case with Bravo on on other on other things, which is not like this. I mean, this is an unusual thing. I mean, one they don't really air that many movies, and right. then you know, of course, this was a movie that people were watching very closely because people are so um, close to it Absolutely. that that mm-hmm. it it mean it's so meaningful to them that that then that particular scene was lost to them because they were, were looking for it. So, I would also believe, uh, Damon, that such websites such as YouTube um, have helped uh, quicker identify defamations against the LGBT community. It has. I mean, it, and it's a... Um, and it works on both sides of the coin. I mean, it really can help... Um, it, it helps elevate something to the point of like even after someone has apologized, for example, if YouTube will um, will un- the, the unfortunate reality of of the internet is that things live on. So while like a mistake has been made, or or you know there has been defamation that has occurred on television, for example, and then you know a network has said that that would never air again. On some level, somewhere it is airing because people have captured it and and have posted it, and so it makes it. Uh, a little bit more difficult when you're trying to help fight defamation and 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 rid our our, our community of defamation when certain things that may be defamatory will continue to live on virally. Mm-hmm. So so how can people how can people um, be involved and how can people get involved with GLAD and, and noticing um, uh, if they notice something that's defamatory or offensive? Well, on our, on our website at glad.org, and glad has two A's, it's G-L-A-A-D dot org, O-R-G, it, uh, we have a uh, um, report defamation button on the, on the homepage. And that, if, if, if someone has seen something on television or, or on the news, um, especially in the, I mean, what, what is important for the Ann Arbor area is that people are, are um, watching local news. I mean, national mm-hmm. news um, or national television is something that, you know, that, that a much larger group can see um, and, and is a little bit easier to fight defamation on a national level because you've got more eyes and ears paying attention to it. What, um, what, what we like to, to, to help have is help mobilizing in local areas to, uh, to be watching for local things that are happening on the news or on the radio that may be considered defamatory. And part of that is also capturing it because it's very, very easy, I think, for all of us to be half listening or half watching something. And then, uh, and, uh, you know, this has happened to me as well, where I think, I think I just heard them say something, or did they just say the <laughs> F word, or whatever right, the situation right. may be. I think that you know, unless you've captured it and can, can roll it back on your TiVo, there's many times that we are thinking we're hearing one thing, but it's really something else. So, um, it's, so just getting back to how people can get involved, going to glad.org, filing a, uh, uh, either joining us as a volunteer if you can, um, but also as uh, filing incident reports um, if if there is some um, issue of defamation that you that you have uh, identified, and if you are local and um, have seen something on the news or heard it on the radio, it's important to 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 capture that in a in a clip. And that's sort of our first wave of being able to to respond to it is if we can see it or hear it ourselves, so that we you know we can sort of see what the context is that 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 something's being said. So, so I'm curious. You know, this is an election year, and the politics is everywhere. Do you are you finding like um, um, politicians and political organizations like either contacting you and and uh, or you're cognizing glad and saying like, you know, how's this messaging or how? What do you think like about this? As far as political groups uh-huh. go, we um, not. I mean, we're not really working with political groups. Um, I, I'm not really sure if I'm understanding the question, but we, uh, while we work with a lot with messaging, we're not so in, in, entwined with with politics that we are that up? we are um, working with them. I think a lot of you know, certainly sizable campaigns are doing their own testing and, right. and marketing as well to to see how that messaging goes. And then we, as an organization, have messaging, and we are certainly working in California on the. Um, 
on the marriage deal with groups that are fighting the the Prop Eight amendment here that would ban marriage equality. And so, um, so on so on that level, we you know we're definitely working with uh, with marriage issues in the state of California, which ultimately will sort of transfer over to to other states and to other um, to other like issues as well. I see. I see. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about um, how to get involved with GLAD or things to watch out for or or things that you are seeing? Um, you know, we're sort of in the middle of the country. So things that you are seeing that are, are trickling in that are going to be hot topics um, to watch out for. Well, I'm excited to, uh, you're going to have to have me back in a few weeks to talk about the fall season because we are just now sort of researching what will be coming up in the fall and um, and looking at uh, what new programs on television will have gay characters and what some of the returning gay characters on television will be uh, will be doing in the coming year. So, so that's um, a, a few sisters, weeks away for us as far as uh, having all of that, uh, all of that pulled together. So that is uh, my area is the entertainment area of, of GLAD, and so that's a big focus for me right now. We are. Um, we'll be issuing a report on Monday that is looking uh, back at the last uh, the last year of of the broadcast networks. It's our annual network responsibility index where we where we. Um, where we grade the networks based on their the, the quantity and quality of images that they have presented the past year. And um, so what's interesting is that even with the writer's strike that crippled much of new programming on television, there are actually some big upswings in the, uh, the, the, some of the quantity of numbers that, that we're seeing on, on television. So things definitely are, uh, are improving when it comes to, to numbers and to, to the, uh, the, the quality of characters that are on television. This is something that is really still pretty new. Um, you know, many people just sort of think of Will and Grace and think that, you know, that we're there, that we've arrived, but it's, it's a constant struggle to keep gay characters on television. And, you know, this last year we saw the, the wedding on Brothers and Sisters, which was exactly. historic and, and something new and never seen on, on, on the broadcast television networks where a, where a main character on a, on a show, a main gay character, gets married. And so and that the world didn't blow is, up. Fancy, is huh? new and historic. <laughs> and on, as the world turns on CBS, we that's saw right. the, mm-hmm. you know, the first male kiss on daytime in the history of daytime. You know, that, that's a, a, a genre and a medium that is uh, 60-some years old. And this is the first time that, that that's ever happened. So, um, and the world didn't come to an end. And so, we've, right. so we have things to celebrate. Things are definitely shifting, but it's also slow. I mean, I think people see the marriage on Brothers and Sisters or see the kiss on As the World Turn, and, you know, they, they're ready for more. But television is still a business, and it's, it's still very incremental. So that's why it's important that we continue to apply pressure on the entertainment community to continue to tell our stories. And it's important that, that your audience and that people in the rest of the country continue to support those networks with uh, you know, affirming emails and letters of support and by watching their programs, because that's the only way that they'll give us more. Brilliant. Excellent. So we'll look for that Network Responsibility Index. We've been on the line with Damon Romine from the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having All right. me. Thank Take you, care. All right. Bye-bye. Well, you know, I bet you that, um, you know, Fox News is probably pretty low on that network responsibility index, and Bravo is pretty high. You know, mm-hmm. Project Runway is going to be starting up again soon. Mm-hmm. So, so well, great. So, um, let's take another quick music break. Would love to. Um, so, Closet for Close, WCBN FM and Arbor, and we will be right back. Two shakes. So sad. No, you've got the powers of healing in your hands. And oh, my sweet boy, don't you dare give up. Know that you are more than good enough the way you are. You are just the way you are. The way you are. You are just the way you are. Oh, my bro. 
shelter outside of yourself. And oh, my sister, don't you get so low. Build on within you, take it with you when you go wherever you go. There you are, you are, you are, you are wherever you go. There you are, you are, you are, you are. You are. And we're back listening to Closes of Clothes, and that was a delightful um, song by Daisy May uh, called We Are, yes. um, and uh, that's on this uh, Fox on the Hill sampler that Matt from, um, from MeFirst.com brought. So yes. thanks, Matt. Absolutely. The Mother Moon album. Excellent. So if you can learn about Fox on the Hill at FoxOnTheHill.com, and of course, MeFirst.com. Um, so... Uh, you know, I was just uh, mining the internet as I'm off to do um, whilst at work. Don't tell my boss. And um, <laughs> and I came across the Palm Center, which is based out of, the, of uh, UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara, um, and a brand new study um, about don't ask, don't tell. So I, I asked um, Dr. Gene Shepard, who's the research director of the Palm Center, um, to join us today to talk about this new study. Um, Dr. Shepard, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, this is Gabe, and you're on with Matt and Gabe from Closets for Clothes. So, Hi, Dr. Shepard. Hi. And welcome. And, and so tell us, like, so I was just blown away when I was reading the findings, these 10 mm-hmm. findings, right? The, the 10 findings um, that go, um, they really run a gamut. Um, from, you know, uh, finding one, the law looks the military's position into st- uh, stasis, locks the military's position into stasis and does not accord any trust to the Pentagon to adopt policy mm-hmm. to changing circumstances. This is amazing. And, and then there's this list of retired generals, right? So, so yeah. how, did this, how did this happen? How did you get involved? Why did the Palm Center take this on? Um, well, thanks. And first of all, I'm really excited to see that you, you actually got dug in and read the report, and I'd really encourage your listeners to do that as well. Um, the Palm Center is a think tank or research institute at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and we've actually focused on the issue of sexual minorities in the military for 10 years. <laughs> so we've been producing research that uh, we're hoping um, adds evidence uh, rather than emotion to these debates. And so we take on control issues from that perspective. Um, right now, it's the 15-year anniversary of the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. Wow. And so we felt like this was a key time. And also, obviously, we also have an upcoming election um, to rethink this issue and to take another look at it, and especially for senior military issue, uh, leaders to come and take a closer look. So we invited this group um, together, and it's made up of three generals and one admiral, um, to come in, and they've spent a long time meeting with experts, looking at the evidence, looking at polls, studying foreign militaries to examine this issue of whether having open gaze in the military um, has a negative impact, impacts unit cohesion or the functioning of the military. I mean, and, and so were these generals and this admiral, were they hesitant to, to sort of look into don't ask, don't tell. No, they actually were amazing um, in terms of they came in with a, you know, kind of interested in looking at this issue without preconceived opinions. They did ask that we sign an agreement with them that we would not, you know, influence or that we would just publish their findings regardless of what they were. And that's exactly the kind of research we like to do. Um, so what we found was actually a, a bipartisan group. We had two Republicans and two Democrats with a combined experience of over a century of military service. So we had a Brigadier General Hugh Aiken, and he's actually the first U.S. Marine Corps uh, general to come out for repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And then we had General Minter Alexander from the U.S. Air Force, who's the Republican who was also involved in 1993 and signed the order that prohibited the military from asking a recruit's sexual orientation. 
Um, and then we had Robert Gard, who was U.S. Army, um, who's, you know, all of these folks have um, served. He was actually the military assistant for two secretaries of defense. Um, and then we have Vice Admiral Jack Shanahan, um, who's also a Republican and, again, served 35 years um, in the Pacific and World War II, Korea, Vietnam. So they all have tremendous amount of leadership and um, accolades to their names. Which is amazing. So, so I, I'm, I'm reading the short little study group members' bios, mm-hmm. and I'm intimidated just reading their bios. So I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine going up to four decorated, retired military personnel and saying, I'm wondering if you can look into gays in the military. You know, so that, that's amazing. And, and so they came up with these recommendations, these recommendations about really... Yes, they did. Um, I mean, they took, like I said, they um, had meetings in D.C., um, met with people, listened to this. Um, and I think, you know, what actually really impressed me was they, you know, the, the sort of depth and care that they took in looking at this issue. So you'll notice that, you know, the media coverage on this, which has just been huge in the last 48 hours, I think we've had 1,500 local and international stories, 400 blogs, you know, it's been on CNN's The Situation Room, and um, they really took a look at this issue and... Um, and so the media, what I was going to say is they're reporting, you know, the repeal piece, because that is a big deal. Right. Um, but if you look at their findings, they're also saying things like there's some serious issues here around confidentiality where people can't talk to their chaplains, can't talk to their medical doctors. Sure. And that's another one of the costs of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And, and, you know, also talking about, you know, the military is losing very, um, very talented service members, right? And, and that uh, it's made it hard for people to perform their duties. And, and I mm-hmm. think that, if anything, really poses a significant risk to morale. Exactly. So the finding is not just, um, you know, that we should repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, but that having the policy in place has a negative impact, actually, on military readiness, which is the opposite, <laughs> you know, of what is, you know, it is supposed to be doing. And supposedly the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy is quite an expensive uh, policy to sustain as well. So, exactly. I read an mm-hmm. estimate that it's around uh, over a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, it has a huge – I have to apologize because it's actually hard to hear you, although I'm glad you can hear me. <laughs> um, but it has a huge human toll um, in terms of people losing, you know, career um, – military service members, uh, when they're, you know, if they have to be kicked out, they lose benefits, you know, it completely interrupts their career. So it's that human toll. And then what the Palm Center research over the past 10 years has shown is there's also a huge cost, you know, here that it has cost the military like $363 million, um, to implement Don't Ask, Don't Tell, you know, there's in terms of like retraining people and, you know, the loss of service and so forth. Um, so the costs really run the gamut. So in, in the sort of the, the research and, and the interviews, were, did you find that active military service members were being cooperative or was there a lot of resistance? Um, okay. So do you mean cooperative? Um, like, do they want to talk about or? the policy as well? Like, oh, okay. You know, I think it's interesting. I think there has been an incredible just silence around this issue. But then when you begin to realize it's sort of like everybody hates this policy. Like, <laughs> it makes the military, you know, it's the military is frustrated with it, the public, the activists, you know, and so forth. So everyone's kind of frustrated with it. Um, what they found, the generals found in doing their study, was that sometimes people think this policy is working, but it's not the policy that's working. It's actually the people on the ground who realize... We we can't afford to lose the talent of some of these gay and lesbian service members. So we heard, for instance, from active duty commanders who came back from Iraq and Afghanistan and said, actually, I kind of knew that this lesbian you know, communication specialist you know, was there in my unit, but it would have been worse for me to get rid of her than to keep her. <laughs> um, so in that sense, I think they really felt that um, the policy was putting military commanders and service members in a terrible position and having to make kind of um, either choices to lie, you know, about their identity or choices um, to break the law, um, and that that was a problem. That, that, you know, that obviously completely rubbed against the grain of, of sort of their ethos. Um, I think one of the things I want to mention that is really important, too, is that we are just seeing a sea change in military as well as public opinion on this issue. So that, like, in 93, we did know that 97% of generals and admirals opposed lifting the ban. 
Um, now we know that, for instance, 73% of service members are actually comfortable with the idea of gays and lesbians. So there's just been this huge shift. Um, this report is sort of the latest in, in a, in a a couple of recent developments over the past year. The first one was that General Shalakashvili, the most senior person to come out against the ban, he's a former Joint Chief of Staff, wrote a New York Times op-ed calling for repeal. Then just, I think, a couple of months ago, we had the 28 generals, which now has gone up to 52, that signed a petition for repeal. So I think you referred to that earlier. Um, and so now we have this report where we actually have these senior leaders sitting down and looking closely at the issue and um, saying, yeah, they're actually, we cannot find, literally, so that they said, we cannot find any evidence to suggest that there's any kind of unacceptable risk here. Amazing. So, so what I think I'm hearing you say is that the fears that people had in nine, in the 90s uh, mm -hmm. that gave birth to the don't ask don't tell those are being quashed those are just not those aren't uh, materializing those have changed i mean even the generals were like geez we have ellen and will and grace you know <laughs> they're like people just don't feel the same way about this issue so for them they were really saying like Okay, so what's amazing is that this policy is not based on the idea that gays can't perform in these jobs. This policy is based on the idea that heterosexuals are so uncomfortable that they can't develop bonds of trust with gay people, and that's why we have to have you know silence around this issue. So what's changed is that that logic's no longer there. People say they feel comfortable. So if the heterosexuals are comfortable, guess what? We don't need this policy. Fancy that. So, so I know that the report is is new right you know yeah. it's, it's brand new so what do you but if you were to look you know into the future like have you yeah. handed this to the department of defense and have people um you know on the armed services committee looked at this uh senators and congressmen are people on the hill reacting um, yeah, that's a great question. I think, yeah, I think just the media attention, this conversation is, is starting up. So it's happening on a number of different levels. One, I think, again, this is an ongoing conversation that within military leadership and service members. So this is just the latest in that conversation. Um, this study will get circulated. You know, it'll get circulated around leadership. It'll get circulated to Congress. And you probably know that there's actually a Military Readiness Act in Congress right now, a bill that was put forward by Senator Meehan that now I think has I want to say 120 signatories um, that would call for repeal and then also implement a non-discrimination policy. Um, so, you know, this, this study becomes part of that. I think where it actually is probably going to be most important is um, in laying out some ideas of, like, how would this take place, you know? Um, how can we do this? I mean, for the generals, it's like, how can we do this in a way that um, makes sense for the military type thing? Um, one piece I think I want to say, kind of back up a little bit, is that um, it's a very confusing policy because you have the Pentagon policy, don't ask, don't tell, which is mandated by a congressional law. So it was actually a law that was passed in 93, which has locked the military into its position. It actually, the military can't just change this. We have to change the law. So, um, so that's why you have that congressional um, movement ar around the issue. Interesting. I did not know that. So it has to pass through Congress before the Pentagon can act. Absolutely. And that's one of the sort of confusing pieces of this. Um, and is that precedent? Like, is that normal? Or is that, you know... No, not necessarily. You can imagine for the military... I mean, one thing you'll see in the report is that the, the generals are, are wanting to be freed of this law so that the military um, can kind of form its own policy. So there's, you know, there's kind of that tug and pull, I guess. But but because this is how it was implemented, this is, you know, how Clinton went about doing this, because it was implemented as a law, that's, that's how it came about. Do you think, um, in, in your opinion, or, or is it the opinion of the center or, or whichever, do you think that this has, and the, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have anything to do with, um, with changing opinion about gays in the military? Um. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, one thing we know that may be related to your question, we know two things. One is that um, the military's don't ask, don't tell policy um, kind of hurts the military's reputation uh, with the public at this point. Um, and so in that sense, I think you've seen incredible activism on college campuses for keeping military recruiters off campus as part of kind of a, either an anti-military um, movement. And so they can utilize the policy as one of the reasons um, to resist recruitment, right? So you have that kind of tie to the current conflict. The other one is that um, 
you know, I think maybe in the sense that troops that are over there now are realizing, like, I'm serving. We, I should say the numbers. Like, the estimate is that we have 65,000 gays and lesbians and bisexuals serving in the military right now. So if people are serving with folks and realizing, like, actually, I really don't care about this issue. I just want to get my job done. Um, what we found was that of 545 troops that we uh, surveyed in the Zogby poll in 2006, 73% of them were comfortable with lesbian and gays. So I think, you know, we do have now this um, combat experience where that unit cohesion piece becomes very important, and we're finding actually that people say they're okay with it. Now, you said that part of the part of the report, the background was, was looking at... Um international forces, like across the uh, uh, other forces that we are our allies, is that right? Yes, that's right. We have um, 24 foreign militaries that actually allow openly gay service, and that includes our allies like Britain and Israel. Um, and so what we do is we have the evidence of their experience of integration of gays and lesbians into their militaries. And that experience across the board, again, shows no evidence that there's any disruption to unit cohesion. And, in fact, it also shows that the transition's not as hard as people think it's going to be. Um, so, for instance, in the U.K., when um, they were talking about integration, one of the arguments was, like, you know, so many percentage of, of leaders and, and troops say they're going to resign the minute this happens. Well, that didn't happen, <laughs> you know. So we have this experience of the foreign militaries, and it's kind of interesting. I think one one reason this story is getting international interest is people kind of look at the U.S. and say, you know, what's going on? Why do they still have this policy uh, when Britain, Israel, South Africa, these 24 other countries don't and don't seem to have a problem with it? Do you think that there's going to be um, unintended? I'm, I'm sure there's going to be you know, with everything. There's unintended consequences, right? So, so mm -hmm. does this affect policies at like war colleges and like West Point and, and, and Annapolis and things like that? Oh, that's a yeah, that's a really good question. It's kind of interesting because we had um, the the generals actually had several people from the military academies. Um, talk with them. Um, and so we heard from people who are teaching diversity classes. And um, so I think there's an open conversation, just as there would be in any college at places like West Point and, and the military academies. And one thing the center has been uh, really good at, because our, our research is respected, is that we actually, Dr. Aaron Belkin, who's the, the head of the center, has gone um, to discuss these issues at the military academies. And how has he received? I think, well, I mean, certainly good turnout. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, that's that's excellent. Well, this is very important work. So, what do you think the next steps will be? Um, well, at this point, you know, it's kind of um, it's out there, and it's um, you know, it's again sort of a, a great summary piece of all of the information that is there that people can use um, as they want. Um, it will be you know, part of the conversation about um, the Military Readiness Enhancement Act. It would be part of the conversation of, um, you know, what you know, military leaders think. So, I mean, for us, we're a research institute, and so we'll keep producing the research, examining the evidence, and putting it out there. And I do want to plug our website, which is Palm Center, P-A-L-M-C-E-N-T-R, one word, dot org, because we serve as kind of a clearinghouse uh, for the research on this issue. And so if you go to the website, site. You can uh, look at the general study. You can also look at the studies we've done for the last 10 years that examine things like the cost of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the experience of foreign militaries, um, the Arabic linguists, which that's another piece we haven't mentioned yet, like the firing of critical mission specialists um, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, we, you know, so you can see the surveys of changing in military opinion, and all of that is on the website and publicly available. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. So we've been talking with Dr. Gene Shepard, who's research director at the Palm Center, based out of University of California, Santa Barbara, and that's palmcenter.org. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Wow, very interesting. You know, and I have actually a very good friend who was um, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, asked to leave the military, and he's an Arab linguist. Mm. So talk about critical roles, right? Extremely critical. Very interesting. So, um, so what will I find on me first next week? Anything new? On me first next week, we will be um, airing an interview with Kate Clinton. Oh, I love um, her. We will also be having articles. And 
drawing a blank here. Um, it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. We have about 11 in the queue. So. I love it. I love it. Um, and I just want to thank my special co-host from uh, Petaskey, uh, Matt DeWitt, um, who's with Mefers.com. And Mefers.com, check it out, connecting um, gay-friendly communities. So thanks a lot for being here, Matt. And hope Pleasure you come being back. here, Gabe. Thanks a lot. And you've listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Closets are for clothes. And we'll talk to you next week. There you are, you are, you are, you are, wherever you go. There you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. Bing Crosby, wrap your troubles and dreams, take four. Castles may tumble, that's made after all. Life's really funny that way. Sang the wrong melody, we'll play it back. See what it sounds like, hey, hey. They cut out eight bars, the dirty bastards. I didn't know which eight bars he was gonna cut. Why don't somebody tell me these things around here? Holy Christ, I'm going off my nuts. Uh, the last bastion of freeform. WCBN FM and Abba. Sounds like a bunch of left-wing hippies to me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez, that mic is on. The mic's on. Oh, my God. Turn off the microphone.